Welcome. You are listening to Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. We hope today's message helps you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thank you for listening. Well, if you've got your Bibles this morning, I would ask that you get them open to the book of Lamentations, chapter 4. My name is Barrett, like I said, and this morning we're continuing our series, Brokenness and Hope. You guys, this is the next to last week in the book of Lamentations together. And uh, it has been a wonderful journey for this fall. I've, I've heard again and again from so many of you, had a couple of uh, meals and meetings with Uh, some of you this week, and I've just heard again and again how grateful we all have been that God has given us this gift of being in this particular book in this season, learning how to just engage God in the midst of pain and sadness and sorrows of life. So this morning, we continue in that journey, and today, in week nine, we have the opportunity to talk about something together that I believe is going to be really helpful for you and for all of us in this season. And that is uh, discovering contentment. So if you've got something to write with this morning, I would encourage you to do so. Um, Discovering contentment is the name of today's message, and it's from Lamentations 4 and 5. Did I lose the screens? Is there a way to get it back? I don't really know. I am, oh, there it is. Okay. You know, we can make do without it, but it's really helpful, mainly because the first thing I want to show you is a graph, okay? (laughs) So, um, I really believe that this message today is incredibly important for you personally, and I really believe it's incredibly important for us as a church corporately, and really is important for, I believe, the time in which we live societally, I believe this message is not only for you, but something that you could help others to see as well. The need for contentment. Pastorally, as I observe things, and statistically, as others in the macro sense observe things in our society, it is clear we are growing as a people in greater restlessness and discontentment in life. Statistics are showing us, and this is what I was referencing a second ago that I want to put on the screens. This is going to be tough, perhaps, for all of you to see. But in this survey from Gallup, well-being survey, essentially it's comparing the year 2023 from the year 2019. Now, this is a micro shot at just what has happened over the last few years. But essentially what you see here as they go through different categories and ask people to rate their satisfaction in different categories from personal health to family life to where you live to your standard of living to the job that you have to the income that you have to the education that you have. Every single category, people are saying, I am less satisfied and less satisfied and less satisfied in every category except for two down here at the bottom of your current housing and the amount of leisure time you have. The leisure time was about tied from four years ago. Housing was about tied from four years ago. So there's not a lot of statistical variance there. What the surveys are showing us is what I have seen deep in the hearts of people and even in myself, I'll point the finger first at me in this season, a growing sense of restlessness. And many of us can't figure out exactly where it's coming from. 
We're seeing more than ever people move from house to house. Young people statistically moving from job to job to job. In this season here in Memphis, we've seen people moving from city to city or from inner city to suburb. We've seen people moving from relationship to relationship to relationship. In this last season, more than I have ever seen in my life, people coming and saying, church to church to church. We're receiving people from other churches. We're giving other churches people. I met with a church pastor this week to say, hey, we've got five members who are heading your way. They're moved out to this further east and they're heading your way. This is a conversation that is happening all the time, pastor to pastor. We are seeing increased signs of just restlessness Now, I'm not saying that every house move or every job move or every relationship move or every church move is is something wrong in you. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is I believe statistics show us and I believe scripture shows us that we have to guard against pervasive and constant discontentment. If we are not careful, we can slip into a place where we are just in our souls utterly discontent. And we're constantly looking for little band-aids to patch up something that is deeply rooted in our hearts and that is as a people, we're just not happy. We're not satisfied with anything. We're frustrated about everything. We're looking for things to, to give us what we're looking for and yet nothing ever seems to give it. And so we just move and move and move and move. We patch and patch and patch and patch and yet our souls cry out for something more. This morning, the message that God has put on my heart to share with you today is from the book of Lamentations where we've been, but it's a message, a message that I believe speaks right to the heart of where we find ourselves personally. And I bet if you were honest today, you would, you would admit there is some degree in you of discontentedness. There's some degree of restlessness, of looking for something else that maybe you feel like you haven't already found. And I'm just asking this morning for you to be open to letting God speak to you about this. This morning, the the message is discovering contentment. And I believe that there's a word for us today from Lamentations 4 and 5. We've been in this journey. You can see the chart of where we've been. We've been journeying through the book, and we've just been allowing God to speak to us about what it looks like to come to him in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of pain. And we've been talking about all these different things, and today we continue that journey with the conversation at hand. And we've been talking about how lament is about how we bring our sorrow to God, It's truly the biblical pathway that God has provided for us to engage him in our grief. It's the way for us to lay out our pain and our struggles and our questions before God. And last week we started a conversation about really how not only do we need to learn to move toward God when things are frustrating, when things are difficult, when things are sad, when things are overwhelmingly sorrowful, but we also need to open ourselves to learn from God in the midst of these spaces. We've talked about how lament is a great help for us in so many ways, and I'll put up a list of the things that you probably have discovered as you've gone through this series, how in lament we've learned to bring our brokenness to God, 
our complaints to God, our confession to God, our submission to God, our desperation to God, our trust to God, our expectancy to God, and our idols to God is where we were last week. But this morning, I want to talk to you about this conversation of contentment. And in lesson nine of 10, this is our next last week, but in this lesson, I believe God wants to show us from his word that in lament, there's an invitation for us to bring our hearts to God. Our whole hearts to God. We began this conversation last week as we talked about idols, about how God sometimes uses suffering to help us see where we've misplaced our trust. Areas in which we've turned to other things more than God. And we talked about last week, we laid the foundation and said, in lament, there's an invitation for us to bring our whole hearts back to him. And today we're just gonna land on that very place. I didn't talk about it as much last week. I talked about the, the work of unearthing idols, but today is really the work of learning to rest our hearts with God and God alone. C.S. Lewis, who many uh, of you guys know, uh, famous Christian theologian, author, brilliant writer. I know that uh, his books are available in print and I, on audio. I would highly encourage you to read C.S. Lewis if you've not done so yet. Um, he wrote one particular book after his wife died uh, where he delves into the topic of, of pain. And one of the things he says in the book, he says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our consciences, but he shouts to us in our pain. And he says, pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Now what's interesting about the quote is that what he's saying is, in painful times in our lives, we often get awakened to some of the most important things of life itself, namely God himself. And in pain, could it be that God is using the pain itself, though he takes no pleasure in pain, he takes no pleasure in the brokenness of the world. While he takes no pleasure in it, could he be using it? to actually awaken a return of your whole heart to be content in him and him alone. The main point this morning is this, and then we'll dive into the scripture. I promise we're getting there. The main point this morning is this. When God is all we have, we have opportunity to learn the secret of contentment. And that is this. God is all we need. When God is all we have, as you're going through life and you get stripped bare of everything else and you get left with this place of God, you are all I have. Everything else is gone. Lord, you're it. When we get to the place where God is all we have, that it's in that place, as C.S. Lewis says, God's using his megaphone to rouse us, to awaken us. It's in this place that we have the opportunity to learn the secret of contentment. 
And the secret is this. God is all you need. God is all you need. God is all you need. Lamentations chapter four, I wanna start in verse 20, which is at the end of Lamentations chapter four, and I want to read through the end of Lamentations chapter five. We'll be in chapter five this week and next week. But if you've got your Bibles, I would ask you to follow with me, starting in verse 20 of chapter four. The breath of our nostrils, the Lord's anointed, was captured in their pits, of whom we said, under his shadow, we shall live among the nations. Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom, you who dwell in the land of Uz, but to you also the cup shall pass. You shall become drunk and strip yourself bare. The punishment of your iniquity, O daughter of Zion, is accomplished. He will keep you in exile no longer, but your iniquity, O daughter of Edom, he will punish. He will uncover your sins. Chapter five, verse one. Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. We have become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. We must pay for the water we drink. The wood we, must, we get we must be bought. Our pursuers are at our necks. We are weary. We are given no rest. We've given the hand of Egypt to, and to Assyria to get bread enough. Our fathers sinned and are no more, and we bear their iniquities. Slaves rule over us. There is none to deliver us from their hand. We get our bread at the peril of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. Our skin is hot as an oven with the burning heat of famine. Women are raped in Zion. Young women in the towns of Judah. Princes are hung up by their hands. No respect is shown to the elders. Young men are compelled to grind at the mill and boys stagger under loads of wood. The old men had left the city gate. The young men, their music. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. For this our heart has become sick. For these things our eyes have grown dim. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate, jackals prowl, prowl over it. But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you've utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. This is God's word. And lament, we learn to bring our hearts to God. When God is all we have, we have opportunity to learn the secret of contentment. God is all we need. 
What I want to teach you this morning is to add this ingredient to your journey of personal lament. So lament, essentially what you're doing is you're basically finding a way to express this bottom phrase, God is all we need. And lament, you're basically admitting, God, in this moment of brokenness, in this moment of darkness, in this moment of discouragement, in this moment of questions, this moment of frustration, this moment of whatever it is you're going through, God, you have, you're stripping me. Lord, I sense a loss of things. I, I, I sense you uncovering things, idols in me. God, I, I sense you trying to peel back layers of my soul. God, I sense it. And God, as it's all being stripped away, God, I just want to tell you, God, I'm learning. I'm learning, God. Thank you that you're not finished with me yet. I'm learning in ever-increasing ways, God. You, you're the one that I need. Lord, even if everything else is taken from me, even if I have nothing else to hold on to, God, if I have you, you're enough. And lament, you're coming to the end of yourself. You're coming to the end of reliance on anything else but God, and you're just laying your whole heart before God, and you're saying, God, you're all I have. And God, I'm okay because you're all I need. You can find your own way to say that. I'm gonna show you later in the message different ways that psalmists and others in the scriptures have said it, but in your own way, here's I, I'm personally inviting you. You've gotta find a way to get to a point where you say, God, you're all I need. Um, back in World War II, some of you are historians. Um, there's a famous person. Uh, she wrote a book called The Hiding Place. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Corey Timboon. You ever heard of her? If you have not heard of her, um, you're welcome. This is your introduction. You should go and read The Hiding Place. It is a fantastic book, a really great insight into uh, life during World War II. She was uh, born into a Dutch family, and her family, this was her kind of closer to the time uh, of the war. And then the picture on the right is her later on actually going back into the house where her family during World War II actually chose to defy Nazi orders, and they chose to hide Jewish people in their own home. And they set up a system where they found a way to effectively hide uh, many, many Jewish people for a long period of time during the war. Eventually, they were caught and arrested. And Corey Tim Boone, along with her sister Betsy, uh, ended up in a concentration camp. It's 1944. And horrific things were done to them, were done to others in that camp. Thankfully, uh, they were one of the camps where there were survivors. Um, they were liberated, and um, Corrie Tim Boone wrote the book in the aftermath, but she's very honest. She's very honest in the book about the darkness of that season, about the horrors of that season, about what it was like to, to, to be so overwhelmed with sorrow in that season, and yet, all the while, as a Christian, this is why I'm recommending the book to you because it's so helpful in this discovering more of 
this journey of lament from other people. As a Christian, she's, she learned how to trust God deeply in that season. She had nothing else. And she learned to rely on the presence of God. The main point this morning actually comes from a quote from Corey Ten Boom. She says, out of her time of darkness during World War II, as they were hiding and then as they were being subjected to all kinds of terrors and horrors that no one should be subjected to, out of that time, she said, you can never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. It's her quote. Stripped of everything, even her own clothes. She had nothing left. Beaten down, literally, until she was wasting away down to her bones. Nothing left. They tried to take everything from her, including her own spirit, and yet she held on to Christ. And let me say it like this, Christ held on to her. And out of that season of anguish and sorrow and darkness, she came out of that saying to you through her writing, I'm telling you that when you get stripped bare of everything else and all you have is Christ, you can learn he is enough. He's more than enough. But you can't learn that. He's all you need until he's all you have. She's saying, I've learned this. I'm not rejoicing in suffering. In fact, she describes very vividly how hard it was for her to come out of that season of suffering, to make sense of it all, and more importantly, to forgive those who had hurt her so deeply. She wasn't rejoicing in suffering for suffering's sake, but she was saying, I can rejoice in something I learned through suffering, and you can too. When you're in a place where you get stripped of things, there's an opportunity for you to learn that there's one who will never be stripped from you, who will never let you go, and it's Jesus. And if he's all you need, he's all you have, you'll learn he's all you need. And she says this, and this is similar to what we were talking about last week. She encourages us, she says this, hold everything in your hands lightly. Otherwise, it hurts when God pries your fingers open. She's saying, be careful not to get too entangled with everything else because these things could be taken from you. Learn early. Learn now. Right now is an opportunity. This day. Right now is an opportunity to go, it's not about all the other things. It's just about Jesus. Learn that. But if you're in suffering, let God lead you to a place of greater contentment in him and him alone. This is exactly what's happening. I'm gonna go back to the scripture and show you this is exactly what is happening to the people of Israel as they're in exile. Jeremiah, the prophet, is writing this book of Lamentations and he's voicing it corporately on behalf of the people and he's saying at the end of chapter four, the breath of our nostrils, the Lord's anointed, was captured in their pits here we were, the ones who said, under his shadow, we shall live among the nations. And yet, they got stripped 
They got taken from their homeland. You can hear the anguish and the cries of their heart as piece after piece is, is, is stripped from them. Things that they had loved and relied upon, and we talked about this some of last week, money and power and success and people and all these, this favor, even the, their own sense of favor with God, it's just, it's just stripping time. All these layers being uncovered and they're, they're, they're just laid bare. Verse 22 is clear why the people are there. The punishment of your iniquity, O daughter of Zion, is accomplished. If you read chapter five, it's not on the screen, but you read there, the crown has fallen from our head, verse 16. Woe to us, for we have sinned. There's an understanding that they had turned away from God. As a people, they had turned to idols. And part of what God is doing in suffering, and I'm not saying, and again, you have to go back and listen to previous sermons. Do not hear me wrong. I'm not saying that all suffering is related to personal sin. That is not what I am saying. But I am saying that all suffering leads you to an opportunity to learn reliance and dependence upon God more. And in this case, there was sin in the camp. And God was stripping them of things they had relied on other than God. They were getting consequence of their turning. God was trying to get their attention, like C.S. Lewis quote describes. It was his megaphone. Hey, are you ready to come back yet? He was awakening them for the purpose of returning them and their whole hearts to him. It's exactly what's going on. Last week, we talked about how hardship reveals idols and in lament, we mourn our misplaced trust. We talked about this need to return our whole hearts to him. And that's why the main point this week is the encouragement to turn your whole heart to him, to, to let loose, like Corey Tim Boom says, hold everything in your hands lightly. Go ahead and let it go. Let God do his purifying work Suffering sanctifies. Let me say this again. Suffering sanctifies. In other words, it, there's a purification in our heart, similar to how when iron goes into the fire, it rids it of impurities. When we go through suffering, so often impurities have the opportunity to come to the surface and to make their way out. And God has an opportunity more and more to make his way in. And we do well when we hold our hearts open to God to learn what he's wanting to teach us so often in suffering, to learn greater contentment in God and God alone. Why do I say, why do I say with such confidence that this is what God is doing in the people of Israel? It's because chapter five, look at your Bible, chapter five, the very last two verses in the book. Chapter five, starting in verse 21. The very last two verses in the book, Jeremiah voices this, restore us to yourself. Oh Lord, restore us to yourself, oh Lord, that we may be restored. 
renew our days of old unless you've utterly rejected us and remain exceedingly angry with us. What's the heart cry of the people? They're not saying, oh God, would you give us, would you give us our money back? They're not saying, oh God, would you give us our people back? Oh God, would you give us our land back? Not that any of those things aren't important. But the depth of the cry of their heart is primarily directed at God. Would you give us more of yourself? Would you restore us to you, Lord? Restore us to yourself, Lord. In other words, God, we're done with, with looking for satisfaction and all these other things. Oh God, we're done with, with trying to think, oh, if it's only this, then my life would be complete. Oh God, we're, we're done with, with the constant restlessness, moving thing to thing to thing. God, we're done with the discontentment. Oh God, we see it now. We see it for what it is now. God, we need you. God, we're crying out. This is verse 21 in, in a lament. You've got to figure out a way to express it for yourself in your own sorrows and your own struggles, and your own disappointments, and the dark days of your life, and, and the ways that Corey Tim Boone had to figure it out, you've got to figure it out in your own way, but you have to come to a place where you go, God, I just want you. God, I just need you. Lord, I know that it's with you that I'll find restoration. Renew me, God. Renew me with you. When God is all we have, we have the opportunity to learn the secret of contentment. And that's this. God is all we need. I want to take you to another passage I think about as I think about this uh, idea of contentment. I want to begin to apply this in your life before I close. Philippians chapter four, if you've got your Bibles, if you go to the New Testament with me, I wanna show you where this is so you can go back to it later. I would love for you to find it with your finger on your Bible so you can go back to it later. Philippians chapter four, starting in verse 10. Philippians chapter four, starting in verse 10. Uh, I got to go uh, two years ago to Italy and uh, got to spend time in Rome. And I actually, uh, I did some of the things that most tourists do. But the thing I was most excited about was getting to go to the prison where they held Paul. Uh, to, to this tiny little uh, dark cell underground. It was quite disgusting actually uh, to think about people being held in such condition, but to stand there and to think it was in this very spot, it was in this condition that Paul is writing so many of the letters that we hold so precious. The most joy-filled and passionate, I believe, apostle, I mean, we admire the apostle Paul and we look at his writings, we go, oh, if there's anybody that's so contented in Christ, it's Paul. But if you look at the circumstance that he was in as he's describing his deep contentment, it's similar to what Corey Ten Boone was saying. It's interesting how as you study church history, some of the people that we admire the most that we say these are the most joy-filled people, they're the people who went through the depths of the most pain. 
Paul's no different. He's writing this book in chains. He's been in Philippians chapter four, starting in verse 10. He says, for I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The key here, I want to point your attention to what he says here. I have learned the secret. And this is why I titled today's message, Discovering Contentment. Because I believe in suffering and sorrow, there's an opportunity for you to discover something that is not evident often in the surface of life. It's not evident on good days. It's not evident when things are all going your well, when all the desires are answered, when your health is great, when your relationships are great, when your church is great, when the society is great, when your neighborhood's safe, when money's in your bank account, when your job is amazing, your boss loves you. It's not as evident, this secret of contentment. Because so often you find, we're just prone to this. We're tempted to find contentment in all these other things that are just going so great. But Paul is speaking to us about something deeper than just contentment that the world can give us. He's speaking to, to our hearts and he's saying there's something deeper here. There's something secret here. And the important word here that I want to point your attention to is not just the secret of it, but the fact that it's had to be learned. He's saying, I have learned this. There's a maturity that has got to happen in our lives as we walk through the valleys of the shadow of death. As we walk through pain and suffering, there's learning that God is wanting for us. There's a maturity that he's birthing in us. There's a sanctification that he's working in us. He said, I've learned. Not something immediate that happened after I got saved. It's not something I was just aware of right away. Through the difficult circumstances I've been in, through having nothing, through being low, he's describing, through being hungry, through being in need, he's saying, I have learned something deeper. And what he's learned here, he says, in whatever situation I am, I have learned to be content. The word in the original Greek literally means to be self-contained, to be sufficient. We know that Paul's not talking about himself because he says in another one of his writings, I'm not sufficient for anything. Christ is my only sufficiency. We know that he says, uh, when, it's not about me being strong. In fact, it's about me being weak. When I'm weak, he is strong. But what he's saying is, I have learned something. And that is, I am okay with nothing else. I am self-contained. Like, I have all that I need. And what does he point to? 
he points to here this last verse, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What does he mean he's self-contained? He's saying, it's just, if it's just me and Jesus, like if I just have Jesus, here's what I've learned in life, he's saying, if I just have Jesus, that's all I need. Here, here's another way to say it. If you're not satisfied with Jesus alone, you will never be satisfied with anything else. If you cannot come to the place where you are content with God and God alone for you in Jesus Christ, if, if that's not enough, then nothing in life will ever be enough for you. You will go from person to person, from church to church, from thing to thing, from job to job, from city to city, and you will be restless for the rest of your days. What Paul's saying is, I've learned something. See, it used to be I would go, oh, it's about having everything I need. Oh, it's about my belly being full. Oh, it's about Tennessee football winning. Some of y'all learned the hard way yesterday. <laughs> my Georgia Bulldogs came through, you know what I'm saying? But seriously, at one point in my life, I would have great days of Georgia won, and I would literally hate life in my college years of Georgia lost. We, listen, another way to say this, are you going to be a jellyfish or are you going to be a dolphin? This is dad speak, everybody. Just hold on for a second. Jellyfish have to ride the waves. Are you going to be a jellyfish that just rides the waves of the circumstances of life? Or are you going to be a dolphin? that's able to cut through with a steady course. Are you, here's another dad thing. Are you gonna be a thermometer or a thermostat? Okay. Are you gonna read the temp and just ride it with whatever's in the, going on around you? Or are you gonna set the temp? What he's saying is, be a dolphin. That's not what he said. <laughs> be a thermostat. In other words, friends, learn something here. Let the, nobody takes pleasure in hunger. Nobody takes pleasure in need. Nobody takes pleasure in the dark days of life. But in those times when things are being stripped, there's something to learn. And that is joy doesn't come from people. Joy doesn't come from circumstance. Joy doesn't come from jobs. Joy doesn't come from money. Joy doesn't come from safety. Joy comes from Jesus. Satisfaction can be found in God and God alone. He can be enough for you. He is enough for you. And the quicker you learn the secret, the quicker you learn the secret, the more you will abound in life. When God is all you have, God is, you'll learn, God is all you need. Job learned this in his time of suffering, Job chapter 42, verse five. He says, in the middle of his personal suffering, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. In other words, he's saying, there was things I knew about God conceptually, but it wasn't until I've gone through pain that I learned these things experientially. There are some things, friends, that we know about God 
because we've heard about him with our ears. But in pain and suffering, you can learn these things about God, not just because you've heard about it, but because you can actually know him in these ways. You can test him in these ways. You can see him for yourself in these ways. Job is saying, I've learned what it's like to trust and to walk with God, to really be intimate with God because of what I've walked through. When God is all we have, we have the opportunity to learn the secret of contentment, and that is this, God is all we need. Is this not what Paul speaks in Romans chapter five? We just studied it last spring. I walked through this with you. He says not only this, but we rejoice in our sufferings. What? Nobody takes joy. Who takes joy in losing their job? Who takes joy in a friend or a spouse betraying you? Who takes joy in the lack of safety and the increase of crime in a city? Who takes joy in the struggles you're facing? What do you mean? Take joy. It's not joy in the pain for the pain itself. It's joy for the secret things that God's working through the pain. And this is what he's saying. Because in the midst of these hard times, Knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In other words, he's saying, at the end of the road, this suffering is producing a greater dependence in you upon God himself and there's a greater assurance of God's love in your heart because of the Holy Spirit giving you affirmations of his love for you through intimacy in your heart. There is a thing that God is doing deep within you. Let God do that thing. Let him lead you to more of himself. Let him pour out greater intimacy into your life. Let him restore you to his presence. Let pain do that. It's not that we rejoice in the pain for pain itself, but don't miss the opportunity in the midst of pain to learn contentment in greater degrees in God and God alone. This is chapter five, verse 21, right? When God is all we have, we have opportunity to learn the secret of contentment. God is all we need. And I'll close with this. Here's here's what I say, and then I'm done. You gotta figure out You've, you're invited to figure out in your own way how to express this to God in lament. In the midst of seasons of stripping, whether it's present or future, or even as you reflect on the past, is there a way that you can say, God, you know what? This is so hard and I've lost so much. I feel like I'm bearing the weight of so much and it feels as just layers being uncovered, things being stripped, but God, I'm asking you. I'm asking you, do, here's my prayer. It's chapter five, verse 21. God, I'm asking you, restore me to yourself, O Lord. In other words, God, would you give me more of you? Through this, would you help me to learn in greater degrees that you're more than enough for me? This is, present other psalms through scripture, Psalm 63. Oh God, oh God, you're my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Oh God, it's you that I want. 
God, I'm coming to you, Psalm 42, as a deer pants for flowing streams. Oh, my soul pants for you, God. Oh, God, my soul thirsts for you, the living God. When will I come before you? Oh, God, if there's anything I want, God, I'm just asking. I'm asking for it to be more of you. When God is all we have, we have opportunity to learn the secret of contentment. That God is all we need. And is this not more than enough for you? <laughs> oh, it is. I'm just... Mm. I found myself this year personally just wishing that some things circumstantially were different. And I found myself this year frustrated at many points going, why, why? And just frustrated, discouraged. I found myself a jellyfish, a thermometer. High highs, low lows, and just kind of riding the wave. I've had to do some real repenting before the Lord, and I'm still in process. I'm not done yet. But I've had to realize, you know what? I'm kind of discontent. And I'm discontent because I'm looking for this to change, and this to change, and this to change, and this to change. And, and I'm, I'm waiting to be completely content until I can get all my circumstances right. And God's pressing into my heart going, don't you see Part of why the circumstances are all arise because I'm trying to get your attention right now. You're looking to the wrong place for satisfaction. You're looking to the wrong place for contentment. You're looking to the wrong place for joy. It's me. You don't have to wait for these other things to change. You can just come to me. I'm more than enough for you. This is what Jesus said, John 17, three. He prayed, and this is eternal life, that they might know you the only true God and Jesus who you sent. Eternal life is growing in relationship with God and growing into the confession, God, you're more than enough for me. So this morning as we close, what I want to do is invite you to discover contentment in Jesus. Some of you today, this will be your very first time there are some of you today who have never repented of sin and never really put your whole trust in Jesus and today is a day where you can turn from everything else that the world's trying to give you and you can go, you know what? Today, I'm, I'm hearing you, Pastor. I'm hearing you say, <laughs> you're looking at all the wrong places and, I, and, and today you might be here and you're going, God, God's the one I need. I'm hearing this and I'm, I, I'm ready to believe and receive. I just want to tell you God loves you. He gave his son Jesus for you. Jesus lived for your righteousness, died for your forgiveness, and he rose again to new life after three days that you might have opportunity to right now repent of sin and trust in him and receive from him the greatest gift, and that is new life in Jesus. And today, that can be yours. So I just wanna urge you during this time of response, just, just turn to Jesus. But for the rest of us who've already made that decision, today I'm not talking about salvation, but I am inviting you to sanctification. And I believe if you're honest before the Lord this morning, there's a work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in you even right here and now before you leave where you can go, God, I've been looking to this, this, and this to give me contentment. I've been restless. I've been frustrated. I've been stirring. And God, I just am 
I'm, I'm feeling your spirit bringing me back even right now. Restore me, God. Restore me to yourself. Let that be your prayer. So as our worship team comes, we're gonna sing a song called Jesus is Better. And the bridge of the song talks about, in all my sorrows, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. It's a song of saying, you know what? Even if I have nothing else, if I have Jesus and Jesus alone, he's more than enough. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to respond to you. And I pray, God, by your spirit, you would restore us to yourself, O oh Lord. You would restore us to yourself, O oh Lord. Hear the hearts cry today all across this room. Restore us to yourself, O oh Lord. Restore us to yourself, O oh Lord. Help us to learn the secret of contentment. You and you alone. Forgive us for how we've looked to circumstance to give us what only you can. Restore us to yourself, O oh Lord. Thanks again for listening to this Bible teaching from Island Community Church. We want to encourage you to join us for worship in person soon. No podcast can replace God's good design of gathering with other believers in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church, visit us at iccmemphis.com. We offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.